Welcome to Sustainable Futures, the sustainability podcast from Kantar, the world's leading marketing data and analytics company. In each episode, we speak with senior experts from a wide range of disciplines to bring broad understanding to complex topic areas and shine a light on the most pressing sustainability issues facing business and marketing, all designed to help marketers create sustainable futures for brands and business. So hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Kantar's Sustainable Transformation webinar. My name is Jonathan Hall, and I'm managing partner of Kantar's Sustainable Transformation Practice. Kantar is a world-leading data, analytics, and consulting business, and the Sustainable Transformation Practice works at the intersection of brands, people, and sustainability. Now, the topic for today's webinar is the role and impact of finance in sustainability. And I'm delighted to have with me today, Christina Lakaki, Managing Director of Global Capital Markets at Morgan Stanley. Hello, Christina. Hello, Jonathan. And and thank you very much for, for the introduction and very nice to be here with you today. My name is Christina Lakaki and I'm Global Head of ESG Structuring in Capital Markets. As part of my role, I help companies raising financing for green and social projects. I also work with companies on their sustainability and climate strategies, specifically when it comes to capital markets transactions. And also, I spend a lot of time with investors trying to understand how they think about ESG and, and what they want to see from companies. Now, I wanted to start by thinking about how in the last few years, we've seen growing interest in, in sustainable investing, in impact funds and green bonds. And maybe you could start by explaining how this growing interest has evolved and give us some insight into how relevant it's become for for the capital market. Sure. So in the last few years, we've first seen a very significant increase in the number of sustainable and impact funds. In addition, what is also very relevant is that we have seen the conventional investors incorporating environmental, social, and governance factors, so ESG factors, into their investment decision. They now want to understand, for example, what the energy transition means in terms of opportunities for a company or how a company is mitigating ESG risk. And this trend will continue, and I think it will actually accelerate in the coming years. And this is going to be driven by regulators that are now increasingly focused on on climate and ESG, but also by investors, and I would say society at large, um, that is very focused on sustainability. And yeah, specifically around the capital markets. So if I give you some numbers to put that into perspective, the volumes of ESG financing, so of green bonds and sustainability bonds, have grown exponentially in the last few years. We've gone from close to 50 billion in 2015 to over a trillion in 2021, just to give you a sense of how the market has grown. This year, volumes are slightly lower. We're close to 600 billion, just given the market volatility, but still it's been the second highest ESG financing uh, year in history. And also, if we look at this on a relative basis, which I think it's also important, in Europe, ESG financing represented close to 20% of the total bond issuance in the first half of this year. Uh, incredible. As you say, exponential growth. I guess a question is, certainly we get it with our clients. 
looking very much towards younger generations, so to millennials and and Gen Z. I mean, is that the is that the case in in the capital markets and what you've just been describing as well, Christina? Yeah. So as you rightly mentioned, sustainability has become much more relevant in the last few years, and it's been partly driven by the new generations. They're much more focused on sustainable products and solutions. They also, when you think around where they want to work, they want to work in companies that take into account ESG in the way they operate. And the same happens when it comes to investing. They have a preference for sustainable investing. And if I give you an example, in a survey conducted by Morgan Stanley Institute for Sustainable Investing last year, we asked individuals around their preferences when it comes to to ESG, and four in five individuals had showed a preference for sustainable investing. When you look at millennials, this percentage was actually 99%. Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? And it's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think people often think as individuals, as you know, employees or consumers or citizens or investors, as if they're separate entities. But you know, listening to you talk there, I think those people's value sets are very much aligned, aren't they? In terms of the you know, who they're going to vote for, what the, the products and services they're going to buy, and therefore, why should it be any different in terms of their um, selection with regard to investment products and services? Very interesting. Thank you. So. Maybe we could just take a step back and, and, you know, for those people who are listening and and watching, those that aren't as familiar with the terms that we've been talking about, so sustainable investing and impact funds, green bonds, social bonds, maybe you could just explain to us in a bit more detail what what we mean by that, Christine. Sure, very happy to. So now we get into the most uh, technical aspects. So I'll start first with, with the product side. So first, if we think around financing and if we think around bonds or or loans, we have the conventional instruments, so the standard ones, the non-green. And in this case, the funds of the raised through the transactions of the proceeds will be used for all types of projects for general corporate purposes. If we then think around a green financing, an amount equal to the net proceeds needs to be allocated to environmental projects. And this could be, for example, investments in renewable energy. It could be investments in electric vehicles. It could also be projects to improve the energy efficiency of the operations of a company. And what is very, very important when we think around green bonds or green financing is that investors want to understand the impact of those projects. What are you trying to achieve on an annual basis? That's very, very relevant. If we then think around the social financing, then you allocate the proceeds to social projects. And just to give you a few examples, this could be affordable housing. It could also be education or it could be access to medicine. And then we have another type of instrument, which is not defined by the use of proceeds, but by the targets that a company achieves. So these are what we call sustainability-linked or KPI-linked instruments. And in these instruments, if the issuer does not meet an ESG target, this could be, for example, the reduction of emissions or a diversity KPI, then the cost of the financing could vary as a result of this. So, for example, if you don't meet your reduction in emissions, then the coupon could go up as a result. So, these are the key financing instruments. Then when you ask around the investor base, and I think I I kind of alluded to uh, when we discussed the, the growth of the market, we have more of the sustainability funds where the main objective of the fund 
is an environmental and social objective. And then we have other funds where they take into account ESG considerations in their investment decisions. And that's what we normally call ESG integration. Very helpful. Thank you, Christina. So one of the reflections then is you know, just that balance between the, the E and the S in particular. And just thinking about, you know, is the focus mainly on climate, particularly when we think of all the events that we've had across the world this summertime? And certainly in Kantar data, we've seen a lot of concern around climate, despite the economic crisis and, and the war that we have in, in Europe. So despite that, a continuing focus on climate. But it is from an investment perspective, is the focus mainly on climate or is the S of, of ESG becoming more relevant? Yeah, it's a very good question. And climate is clearly a priority for all, but the social side is also extremely important. And I think that post the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we all realize the importance of also addressing social challenges. But it's also true that when we think about it from an investor perspective, it's also more difficult to assess just because when we think around social considerations, there's sometimes the outcomes can be much more binary and, and it's a bit less tangible. So you ask about climate. When we think around climate change, we all know that the objective is to reduce emissions and to get to net zero. So then you can model this. You can say where we are at the moment, where we want to be in a few years' time, and what are the levers to achieve this. But then if you think around issues such as human rights, food security, or even employee mental health. These are less tangible. The assessments are more qualitative, and as such, they're a bit more complex. But just because they're more complex doesn't mean that they're less relevant. And the last point I would make is also that some of these issues are also linked. So when we think around the energy transition, it's important to assess both the environmental and the social implications. Perfect, thank you. If we could zoom back out again, and it'd be great to hear your perspective on what, what investors and, and the capital markets want to see from companies and with regard to sustainability. I think that would be, it would be great to get your overview on that. First of all, they want companies to be authentic. So they want to make sure that the sustainability strategy it's aligned with the corporate strategy and with the priorities from top management. There cannot be two different messages. We cannot have a message from the sustainability or communications team and a different message from the business unit or from top management. I think that's very, very relevant. The second point is that investors want to understand how ESG creates value for the company both in terms of the opportunities, the revenues, but also in terms of the mitigation of, of risk. And sometimes this is straightforward. If we think around renewable energy, I think it's, it's very clear that there's going to be a significant growth and that it's easy for investors to understand. But in other cases, you need to educate investors around the opportunities. For example, the opportunities in terms of avoided emissions with your products or in terms of client engagement or uh, how does certain policies help you to mitigate risk. So that's a very important point. And the last one is that qualitative assessments, descriptions, they're very relevant to explain the strategy, but investors increasingly want to see data. They want to see which metrics you're tracking, what are your objectives, and how do you plan to achieve this? So this is very, very relevant because I always think that ESG is really about the journey 
is really about making sure that year over year, you can show that you're improving on your environmental and your social metrics. So looking to, to the future then, how would you envisage ESG and sustainable investing evolve over, over the short, medium term? So in the, in the very short term, the focus is going to really shift towards understanding and meeting upcoming regulations, both from the investor side, but also from the corporate side and from financial institutions. There's a lot of new regulations that will be in place in the coming years in terms of disclosure for investors, in terms of disclosure for corporates, but also in terms of managing climate risk, specifically, you know, climate stress tests for for banks. And so going back to my previous point, in this context, the quality and the rigor around ESG data will become even more relevant. And specifically when we think also around climate data, understanding the sources, understanding you know, the methodology, which will allow you to also aggregate data. So that I think will be the priority, let's say in the short to medium term. And then more in the medium to long term, I just think we will just have much more integration of financial and non-financial considerations. So ESG and sustainability will just become much more deeply embedded in the way we communicate around the company, but also in the way we conduct our day-to-day business. Thank you so much. That's been such a comprehensive, but beautifully precise and, and succinct description. I guess what I was taking out of that is how conventional investing has been incorporating ESG factors and how obviously the notion of mitigation of of ESG risk driven by a range of factors that you described has driven an exponential growth in ESG funds and green bonds with really remarkable um, numbers that you were sharing around penetration in Europe being up to 20%. And the major role there of of younger people as uh, investors actually reflecting the behaviours that we see in their role as citizens, as employees and, and consumers. So that was fascinating. I think when you were discussing the relevance of, of the E and the S in ESG, obviously the ability to model the path to net zero you know, has been critical so far. S, of course, hugely relevant, but it's more difficult to model. I think that was a great insight for our listeners. And I think you know when we, you were talking about what investors and capital markets want to see from companies, that notion of authenticity, the alignment between corporate strategy and sustainability strategy, that combination of value creation and risk mitigation in how ESG creates value and the data and metrics around that. And then thinking about the future, both the short term meeting all of the regulatory burden that is facing nations now, but also the integration over time of business as usual, I guess. Christina, thank you so much for, for taking the time. We're very lucky to, to have you with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time. Thank you very much, Jonathan. You've been listening to Sustainable Futures, a podcast from Kantar. For all episodes and more information, visit kantar.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode.